thankful for God. I am so thankful for family. I am so thankful for community. God is the alpha. God is the omega. Everything that we have, everything that we accomplish, it is all because of God. So I just am so excited for this testimony of your eight years together. That is amazing. Um, and I wanted to, to start off today, I, I called my, my talk Voices of Bold Grace because I was asking God, Lord, what should I tell the people? Like, what, what do you want them to know from you this morning? And God led me to this prayer that I um, had written a few years ago. And so I'm going to read it really quickly um, because it reminded me of the scripture that I want us to, to talk about um, today and to look at more deeply. And the name of the prayer is Bold Grace. So it's a short haiku. And the prayer reads, God dwells in your voice, life's silent force in your touch. Let God heal through you. I 100% believe that everyone here, that God desires to use our voices as instruments of healing for others. It's true for all of us, for each of you. And I think because of this, that's, that's one reason why it's so important for us to make space to pray and to listen and to learn and to grow in our awareness of the voices and the influences that we have internalized. Because sometimes they misshape who we understand ourselves to be, who we know ourselves to be, and how we, how we, are, how we think we are designed to live. And so I think as followers of Christ, it's really important for us to be able to replace those lies with truths that magnify God's voice through ours, right? And I have, I have realized that I, I'm coming to realize the degree to which I had started to forget the sound of my true voice. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. I had been taught to downplay the power of my voice. And by voice, I don't just mean the sound that comes out of my mouth. Yes, I do mean that. But by voice, I also mean the messages that I communicate with my actions and my gifts and my ability to do hard things in honor of life and in solidarity with the rest of humanity. I'd slowly learned to silence myself as a woman, as a black woman, as a single black woman, as a young single black woman, as a woman with no children. And I, I'm realizing that not only had I been trained to ignore and silence my own voice, but also I've been trained to ignore the sound of other people's voices as well. I think each person listening right now, if we're honest with ourselves, we could say to some degree the same thing, that, that as we've grown up, as we've lived, we've been trained in some ways to not see or to not hear others, certain groups of people, to slowly silence them. And that might include women, women of color, men of color, people with less formal education, people with less income, people with visible or invisible disabilities, queer women, the, the whole, there's a list, each of us has a list, but to silence the voices of those who are less, less as, the, as society has defined less. And I recognize this is nothing new. You're probably thinking, yeah, I already, I realize that. You know, people have been socialized to think and act and be unjust for generations and generations and generations. And because of this, we know that many people have suffered. But it's interesting that in many ways, I'm realizing we have all become simultaneously victim and perpetrator, even those of us inside the church, leaders and lay people alike. 
But that is why I thank God for bold grace. Because as we commit to follow Christ, we commit to unlearn, unlearn these unhuman ways of existing, and we replace them with what we know of the way, the truth, and the life, right? One thought, one word, one action at a time. And in this way, we grow into more righteous, or in other words, more just followers. So we know that March is Women's History Month, and when I think about Women's History Month and its origins, I am reminded that it was started as a way to honor and bring awareness to the stories of many beautiful, strong women who have contributed to building a more inclusive and a just society. And I think about the challenges that come with being someone like that, someone who consistently, strategically, and wholeheartedly fights for positive change, especially as a woman. I have read countless books that have documented the ways in which the words and contributions of women have been subtly silenced in various arenas, in the political arena, in the business world, in higher education, in the military, in the church. But it's with this in mind that I want us to, I want to contrast that against the story that we see in the Bible. And it's one that you're probably familiar with. But I, I hope to approach it from a slightly different vantage point than you've heard it viewed before. So we're going to look at the story of the Samaritan woman who meets Jesus at the well. And I want to specifically reflect on this story because I believe that God's grace is a bold grace. So if you want to check out the scripture, I think it's going to be posted in the chat, or you can read in a Bible along with me, or you can just listen feel free to do whatever is best for you. We're going to be looking at John chapter 4 in the first 10 verses, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. So we're going to start at um, verse 1, and it reads, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Suchar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? for his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. But Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the times that you are present, meeting us in unconventional ways so that you can show us and teach us how to go deeper into understanding what it means to love and what it means to live for you. We pray that you would speak to us through these words this morning. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you give me a drink? So imagine with me, imagine you and I are back in the day and we meet at the well in Samaria. 
and it has been a long journey for me. It's the heat of the day and you walk up to the well with a jar. So obviously I know you are here to draw water and to take it back with you into the town, into the city. It's hot, it's dry outside. I am thirsty and I, I've waited for my friends to come back with food. But in the meantime, I know we don't know each other, but would you mind getting me a drink? It seems like a pretty simple question to me. One that would receive a really straightforward response. Maybe something like, of course I'll get you a drink of water. Would that not be the right response? Wouldn't that be the loving thing to do? But for some reason, that's not what happens between this woman at the well and Jesus. Will you give me a drink? That's what Jesus asks. I know that every season, every cycle, and every pattern in nature is rooted in love, in a love that honors life and that leads to greater life. But Romans 9.22 tells us that all creation is groaning in immense pain. And that is the case even now. So to me, that's a sign that maybe we're not always responding to others in loving ways, even when it comes to requests like these, requests that go against social norms, requests like the one that Jesus makes of this woman. So I started asking myself why. And I, I wondered if you've noticed how trauma has a way of causing us as humans to question our gut and to, to question what we instinctually know to be truth, what we know to be loving. I think this is true both for victim and oppressor alike to varying degrees and in differing ways. But I noticed that both generational trauma and the experience of oppressing, they have a way of influencing people to act in ways that contradict the elemental laws of God that have been written onto our conscience and etched into our hearts. We choose to disregard life. We protect self at the cost of dehumanizing others. And I, I'm not seeking to justify or excuse or explain, and I'm not even seeking to blame. I just think it's worth reflecting on that for a few minutes, not for purposes of feeling shame, but as a reminder of the dust that we are and of our frailty and of the nuanced impact of generations of sin, which have caused this tension that we walk in daily, just like this Samaritan woman where we're constantly trying to discern what is a God-honoring response, but yet also what is the most appropriate response, and sometimes feeling this spiritual tension, this dissonance between the two. Like sometimes what seems to be most God-honoring, it doesn't seem what is most appropriate based on our past experiences, like what is the most safe, you know? So I think we need to reflect on this tension but also I think, I think we need, as we're doing that, like acknowledging that there has been a gift exper uh, extended to us through Christ, which is a freedom that allows us to move past this. It's a freedom that allows us to walk in a bold grace. And so we're going to look at the story a little more deeply because I want to try to explain to you what I mean. Jesus asked the Samaritan woman, will you give me a drink? It's not as straightforward of a question as it seems. It's pretty complicated. And I think if we learn a little bit more about why, we will learn a lot more about ourselves. If we place ourselves in the, in, in the place of the Samaritan woman in the story. So let's dig a little deeper in the next few minutes that we have together. 
to, to learn the context of this interaction. So here's my super, super, super quick um, Tiana Notes version of the history behind this interaction. If we go back into the Old Testament, there's two ethnic groups mentioned in this story, the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And the woman with whom Jesus speaks is Samaritan, but Jesus and his disciples are Jewish. And if we go back through the history of the Hebrew people that was outlined in the Old Testament, we learn that at one point, the Hebrew people had been taken captive from their, home, from their homeland. Um, this was a captivity that had been prophesied, it had been foreshadowed, and it was a consequence of their refusal to live in love-honoring ways, or in other words, God-honoring ways. So during these decades of captivity, there are some Israelites who were taken away from their home, but there were some, some Hebrew people who were permitted to stay. And these people, some of them ended up intermarrying with other local ethnic groups, and they blended um, the Hebrew faith with some of the social and religious customs of the surrounding people. And these ways of worshiping God, it didn't line up with the Hebrew law and the traditional teachings of the Torah. What God had told them was the way to live. So eventually some of the, the Israelites who had been taken away captive, they come back. And when they see what has happened, there is a huge disagreement because they can't uh, agree upon what, it, what is the right way to approach God, what is the right way to, to live as a social, as a nation group. Um, and what happens is there's this huge schism between the Israelites who, are, who, are, who we now know as the Jewish people and is some of the Israelites who had stayed in the Samaria area. They kind of break off. There's a split. So you later have their descendants. You have the Samaritans, and then you have the Jewish people, even though they have one common ancestry. So when you fast forward to Jesus's time, there's a whole bunch of hatred that has just festered between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. It's only intensified to the point that it wasn't uncommon for Jewish people to go to extreme lengths to even to avoid Samaritans. Like, like completely changing their travel plans to bypass Samaritan towns. Like that's how bad this was, right? Contact with a Samaritan could be enough to make you be declared unclean ceremonially, right? So it's like the Samaritans were viewed as impure. So obviously the Samaritans didn't take too kindly to this. They were highly offended at the suggestion that their understanding of God, their approach to worshiping God was not the right way not good relationship. That's the backdrop against which Jesus and his Jewish disciples travel through Samaritan and Jesus decides to talk to this random woman at the well. So let's hop back into the story. Jesus, Jewish man, has asked the Samaritan woman, will you give me a drink of water? This woman is so caught off guard, she doesn't even know. Like She responds to him with another question. How can you ask me that? Your people don't even associate with my people. So let's stop for a second and think about what might have been going through her head. Because we, we kind of established that it seems like you just give the person a drink of water. But I'm thinking maybe what's in her head is that she feels unsafe. It feels unnatural. It might even feel offensive. Or she could even just be thinking like, why are you asking me this? Could you not have bothered someone else. <laughs> or she may even be thinking, why are you testing me? Are you taunting me? Is your plan to embarrass me? 
because she doesn't know who Jesus is. We don't know what was going through her head, but this is what we do know. We know that this is a woman who knew what it feels like to be marginalized by her own people and even by Jewish people. Marginalized because of the fact that she had so many husbands. If you keep reading in the story, you learn a little bit more of, of her background. She's had multiple husbands. So you can see that she's at the well in the middle of the day. She most likely has been ostracized by her own people who may consider her unrighteous, um, you know, immoral because of her, her lifestyle of having multiple husbands. And then on top of that, she knows what it's like to be Samaritan, where Jewish people treat her and, and her people group, her whole, her whole ethnic group, um, as less than human. To the point that, like I said, someone might even refuse to drink anything she touches. Not let, let alone like ask for her to give them something to drink. So I can only imagine how degrading her life may have been, you know, over the course of her lifetime. And so now here's this Jewish man sitting near the well asking for a drink of water. And the woman at the well is so confused. She doesn't know what to do. Jesus has challenged this woman to do something unconventional unorthodox, even potentially dangerous and incredibly risky. It's illogical. What he's asked her to do is see the fact that he's Jewish and male, but yet use the resources that she has and the abilities she has in that moment to help meet a need and to help meet his thirst. And it might sound like a super small gesture, but I actually think there's a lot of depth there. Because let's think about it. Our bodies are majority water right? Without water, we die. That's why we continually rehydrate. But in this instance, this Samaritan woman is offered this chance to help sustain another life, even if just temporarily. Jesus is giving the Samaritan woman this opportunity in this moment, a chance to boldly walk forward and in some way manifest the image of God to him. The God who sustains, the God who nourishes, the God who is not a respecter of persons, the God who loves the just and the unjust. This is her chance to boldly act in a way that honors life and images God, to use her voice to acknowledge the humanity in another, even though that other may come embodied with the physical traits of her oppressor. That is huge to be able to see beyond the surface into the true posture of his spirit. So this is the access that Jesus offers to the world, access to live more fully human, to live according to the purpose for which humans were created to function, to love God, to love ourselves, to love creation, to act and think and speak only in ways rooted in love and honoring of life and truth regardless of social divisions and classifications, regardless of who society says we are and how it tells us we are to be, because God is the essence of love and God offers us a path that is lined with love. That is a path that this Samaritan woman has a right to walk into and that is what Jesus is extending her the opportunity to take. 
So we can make a whole list of reasons why this society, why the Samaritan woman should not have been granted an opportunity to use her voice to step in line with the spirit of God, to provide a service that honors and literally would at least temporarily help sustain the word of God in flesh, Jesus. Our list might include her ethnicity, her gender, her marital status, her religious background. These all would have disqualified her by societal standards of the day. But later in the chapter, we get a glimpse into the heart of this woman. All of these labels that had placed upon her, they did not represent who she truly was. She is someone who wants to know the full truth of what pleases God. And we see actually, if you read more of her dialogue with Jesus, that she is open. Jesus knows this. This is a woman who says, she doesn't deny that she and her people might not truly understand what pleases God. She says to Jesus, look, the one, the Messiah is coming. And I know that when Messiah comes, he will clarify what is true. She says that in verse 25. This is a woman who actually has beautiful faith. So let's hop back into the progression of the story. The woman has questioned Jesus about how he could ask her to give him a drink, right? We see Jesus' response. He basically says to her, if you knew the gift that God has made available to you, and if you could actually see who I really am beyond the divisions that society says exist between you and me, you actually would have asked me for the living water that I can offer you. There's so much there. But what I want to focus on is actually the next part, because I could talk on that for hours. But on the next part, this to me is the most powerful part of the story. Jesus said, if you would have asked me for living water, I would have honored your request. That's how powerful your voice is, even now. The voice that God has breathed into you, regardless of your past, regardless of your reputation, despite the abuse you've endured, if you had only spoken and asked, I would have honored your voice and I would have shared with you a living water so that you could be empowered to walk into your calling with a bold grace that overflows to others. And so that you could walk forward with a voice that is no longer silenced. And if you keep reading on in the chapter, you see that that's, that's what happens. This Samaritan woman she is known for her voice now, right? We know her proclamation. We know of her, the power of her witness for love. Her voice shaped the lives, probably potentially of generations of people. People who came to recognize the power of Jesus, the truth and the way. So I th we thank God for bold grace. And just like God used the Samaritan woman, like I mentioned before, I truly believe that God desires to use our voices of instruments of healing for others also. This is a season, we're living through a season like no other, right? A time of major movement. There have been seasons before with, with mass loss, you know, mass pain, just like now. But this is a unique season of social, political, and spiritual movement. And we've seen some positive changes come through this, but so much hard things have come as well, right? New levels of loneliness. I've seen 
new ways for people to numb out, avoid pain, um, greater increasing poverty, um, new ways to cause social division. Um, life is moving and culture is changing. But one thing that is truly a constant, I know this is a constant, is that one thing we can depend upon at some point in each of our lives, Jesus offers each of us, like he did the Samaritan woman at the well, this opportunity to receive living water, but also an opportunity to give a drink and to share water with those that, that, that who may not otherwise be able to access it. That is what God wants us to do. So my hope is that regardless of the ways in which society may have tried to silence you, the ways in which you may have silenced yourself, what I'm hoping is that in response to this invitation that we have all received and we all receive, that you will respond in such a way moving forward that your voice becomes a wellspring of life for others, a wellspring that intentionally you protect and you guard so that you can continue to be a source of life and refreshment and hopeful rejuvenation for others across social lines, across social divisions, for others who are also just like you trying to make it through the heat of the day. May yours be a voice that speaks with a bold grace. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for each person here. I thank you for this opportunity that, that you extend to us to live with bold grace. I thank you that you want us to use our voices, that you want us to use our gifting, our talent, that you desire for us to only live in ways that are in line with love and that are in line with your truth. I thank you that you offer us an opportunity to walk in that regardless of who we are, regardless of what others say of us. I pray that we would be brave enough and courageous enough to believe you and to continue to ask for you to provide for us the living water, for you to show us how to drink this water consistently and constantly so that we can also extend to others drinks as they have thirst, as they have need of your love and your hope and your joy and the peace that only can be found in you. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.